All right. Well, as Gwen um, said earlier, today we're wrapping up our Express Yourself series um, that we've been in in the month of June. And if you liked this series, I want you to express yourself and just, if you're sad that it's over, say, aww. And if you're happy that it's over because you're tired of talking about emotions and thinking about feelings, will you just clap a little bit? No, nobody wanted to do it. Nobody was brave enough. Well, um, no matter how you feel, we've been in this series because God created us not just to think, not just to act, but as people who feel. And so each week we've been looking at a different emotion. Um, we've been having fun. And as Gwen said, we've been looking and talking about different emojis each week as well, having fun with that. And so as we wrap up our series today, I thought I would give you one final emoji lesson in case you're worried about using them properly. Because I know for a lot of people, this was like the first introduction you've ever had to emojis and your kids and your grandkids are just laughing at you. So I want to give you three quick tips if you're worried about using them properly. And if you follow these, I guarantee you'll be on your way to using them well. And so the first tip is this, don't overuse emojis, okay? Repeat after me, don't overuse emojis. You might have just learned about it, you might be excited. You don't want to be like this mom right here who just learned these icons putting the cat in there, putting the penguin in there, putting the chicken in there, putting the, the twins in there. Look, don't overuse them. Use them sparingly so that they have the proper effect. And the second thing I want you to know is don't communicate important things with emojis. And I'm going to let this little sequence right here speak for itself. Hearts, couple, time, heartbroken, goodbye hand, man running away. Did you just break up with me? Then he does the thumbs up and the smiley sign, right? Don't break up with emoji. Now, adults, older adults, I know you don't have this problem. Students, children, don't break up with emojis, okay? Don't break up over text message. If it's really important, call somebody, meet up with them. Don't do it over these means of communication. It's not the best way. And then the final thing I want to let you know is you need to please learn the difference between the laughing with tears emoji and the crying emoji. Because if you mix these up, it can cause a lot of consternation, like we see in this little thread right here. So I have a killer headache right now. Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Why is that funny? It's not. I feel bad for my babe. Why are you laughing? I'm not, right? This, this grandma, she's confused about what's going on because she's using the laughing with tears emoji. We got grandma here. Heard you broke your foot. She's laughing hysterically. See you soon. Love, Grandma. That's laughing. That's not crying, okay? So here, just so you know the difference, I'm going to put them up here. That's laughing with tears. These are crying and sad, okay? You need to know the difference, and so please take note of that. And if you do these things, you'll be well on your way if you are worried about using emojis properly. I hope this introduction has been fun for you as we've been talking about the emojis and emotions and how God created us to express ourselves. And I know some of you might have been worried about using them properly. Most of you aren't because you're worried about other things. And really, as a people, we worry a lot. Amen? We worry a lot, and that's the final emotion that we're going to be talking about today, worry. And worry is something that, that follows us pretty much everywhere we go. And I know that there's probably some people this morning who are worried right now. Maybe on the way to church, your child was crying. And so as you dropped them off in the back in the kids' area, and they, you're worried they might be crying right now, they might be causing a scene, and somebody's going to have to come get you. Maybe you're worried about that right now. 
Maybe you're worried that it's 11, 11 a.m. and the sermon's just starting and he might preach really long today and then it's going to be 11.50 before you get out and there might be traffic and then you get to your Aunt Gertrude's luncheon late and you don't even like Aunt Gertrude but you're trying to show your family that you're trying to do good, right? Maybe you're worried about stuff like that. Maybe you're worried right now because this is the one place that you can come during the week and have a little peace in your life. And when you think about going home after worship... It's not a pleasant thought because you're going to return to chaos and you're worried about what's waiting you at home. A lot of us worry even on Sunday mornings. On Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, I worry as well. You can ask Emily, every Saturday night, I worry about waking up on time for Sunday morning because I'm afraid that if I don't wake up on time, I don't know what's going to happen or who's going to preach. One of y'all is going to preach on Sunday morning, so y'all should be worried as well. So every, every Saturday night, I go to my alarm clock and I check it five times. I'll be in bed and then I hop out of bed and I'm like, I got to check it one more time. And I have two alarms, but I still always check them because I'm worried I'm not going to wake up. And then I get here on Sunday morning and I'm worried. I'm like, what if the message doesn't connect with anybody? What if it only makes sense to me and it doesn't make sense to anybody else? And then if it's raining outside, man, I'm just like, nobody's coming to church today. And then when it's sunny, I'm like, nobody's coming to church today. They're going to go to the lake and go to the pool, right? You can't win now. And so I just get worried about all sorts of different stuff. I'm a worrier myself. And I know that our worry, it doesn't just happen on the weekends. It happens every single day of our lives. And I know this because I know a lot of the stuff going on in your lives. And I don't know if you remember this, but one year ago this week was my very first Sunday here at the church. And thank you. I wasn't saying that to get a round of applause, but thank you. One year ago was my first week here, and I was very worried, as you can imagine, right? I know a lot of y'all were worried, too. I was worried following a founding pastor, stepping into a front of group of people I don't know, preaching for the first time here in this room to y'all. And I don't know if anybody remembers what that first sermon was about that week, but it was actually about fears that we have, things we worry about and how God wants us to have faith. And at the end of the sermon, I invited everybody to come up and to write some of the fears they had on different rocks. Anybody remember that when you're here? And so look, I know we worry because those rocks reveal to me and to us a lot of the worries that we have as a group of people. And I actually have all the rocks right here. I've been been saving them all year in my office. And so on these rocks, there's a lot of things that we worry about. Somebody here wrote family. A lot of us worry about our families, our marriages, our children, our grandchildren, what our future is, dating relationships and decisions. We worry about, are we dating the right person? Are they a good potential mate for me? We worry about health, finances, work. We worry about all sorts of things. Um, We worry about our loved one's health. We worry about needing approval. We worry about our careers, our relationships, and the list could go on and on and on. We are a people who worry a lot. And these are just the worries that are really intimately tied to our lives. These don't even include all the worries going on in the world around us. And some cultural commentators have said that today we live in what is called an age of anxiety because we are people who worry and the media doesn't help social media doesn't help 
A lot of times we don't help ourselves because we feel worry starting to grow inside of us. And instead of trying to fight it back, we just let it grow. Or we feed it. And then eventually we find it's starting to take over in our hearts and in our lives. We worry a lot. And one of the reasons why we worry is because we are people who are created with minds that can think and anticipate future events. And this morning as we talk about worry, I want to distinguish as we begin what worry is and what worry isn't. And so I want to let you know, worry isn't having care, caution, and concern about something. As Christ followers, we're called to have care, caution, and concern. We're called to live with wisdom. And so it's okay to care about loved ones who are ill and to care for them. It's okay to be cautious and to put on our seatbelts when we're driving. It's wise. It's okay to plan and prepare. But as one book I was reading on worry this week talked about, it said this. It said, worry is what happens when we go beyond caution and concern and begin to fear things that we can't control. Worry is what happens in our lives after we've planned, after we've prepared, after we've done all of those things and we continue to stew about something. That's when we've crossed into the territory of worry. And now, for some of us, worry is something that, you know, we live with occasionally and it kind of comes up here and there. But for other people, worry is a huge thing in your life. And it might impact you every single day and really be kind of a destructive force in your life and a destructive force in your relationships. And when worry is impacting your life that much on an everyday basis, then worry is actually possibly beginning to move into the area of clinical anxiety. And this morning, I'm not going to really be addressing clinical anxiety, but if worry in your life every day is overwhelming, it's affecting your relationships and your work and your life, then I would encourage you to reach out to somebody. Reach out to me, a professional counselor, therapist. Reach out to a friend for help. Because we're not going to be addressing that specifically today. And you might want to also go back and listen to the podcast from a couple weeks ago on depression because a lot of times depression is on the other side of the coin as anxiety. And so there's a lot of similarities. So you can go back and listen to that message. I want to encourage you to reach out if you feel like you might have deep anxiety. But today we're going to be talking about worry. And we're going to be talking about worry. And I don't know if you know this, but Jesus actually talked about worry in the Bible. And Jesus didn't hit on every single emotion that we feel and experience in his teachings. He didn't teach at length about all of them. He had some anger, right, love, and a number of others. But it's interesting to find that one of Jesus' longest teachings on an emotion is on worry. It's on worry. And we find Jesus' teaching on worry in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6. And we find it in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And now the Sermon on the Mount is, is Jesus' most famous sermon that he ever preached. He preached it in the area surrounding the Sea of Galilee to his disciples, his closest followers, and to large crowds. And in this, he addresses a number of very important topics. He addresses forgiving your enemies. He addresses how to pray. And then even right before this, he addresses how as people of faith, we're called to build up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth and how we can't serve both God and money. And it's in the midst of this sermon that Jesus 
gives us this teaching on worry. And it, it begins in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, well, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry. That's the refrain that Jesus kind of comes back to in this passage. Do not worry. And if you think about the people he was speaking to, one of the groups was the group of disciples who were right in front of him. And these are people who didn't have paychecks. They didn't have 401ks. They didn't have a refrigerator full of food to go back to. They didn't have regular houses. And even so, this teaching was very challenging for them, and it was very countercultural. And it's the same for us today. Those of us who have paychecks, those of us who have a place to lay our heads at night, those of us who have pantries full of old food, those of us who are living in our everyday world, this message is still very countercultural and very challenging for each of us. And Jesus says to us, just like he said to them, do not worry. And I don't know about you, but whenever somebody says, do not worry to me, it's, it's not really that helpful, right? It's like when you're on the airplane, the pilot comes on, he's like, hey, Delta 468, welcome, we're headed to San Diego. We're going to be going over some clouds. There's going to be um, heavy turbulence, lots of rains and a storm. Your masks might fall down, but please do not worry. Remain calm throughout the flight, right? You're not, you're not listening to that do not worry. When somebody says do not worry, a lot of times it makes you think about all the things that you should be worried about. When somebody tells me do not worry, a lot of times I think you don't even know my situation. How are you going to tell me not to worry because you don't know what's going on? You don't know the worst that could happen. Because a lot of times our worries to us are very rational, even though to those who are outside of us, they might see that they're completely irrational. Our worries are very rational to us, and do not worry is not always the most helpful thing to say, but that's what Jesus says. He says, look, do not worry. But he doesn't stop there. He continues, and after he says do not worry, he asks a number of rhetorical questions, and he offers a couple of illustrations. And one of the questions he asks is this. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour 
to your life. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Another way to put that might be, when has your worry been helpful for you? When has your worry ever been effective in your life? And I don't know your answer, but my answer is pretty much never. Because really my worry, it's really like carrying around this basket of rocks, right? A lot of us, we carry around all of these worries with us. And what do they do? They make us tired. Physically, it's exhausting to carry all of this stuff around. It's not fun. It doesn't bring joy. And when we're carrying all this stuff around, it affects our relationships with other people because we we can't focus on them because we're focused on what's in front of us. Our hands aren't free. It affects our relationship with God because we're just trying to, to make do and just live with all of this stuff we have in our hands and we're unable to look at Him or focus on Him or do His work in this world. There's really nothing we can do in this world better with all of this in our hands than we can without it. And this is a lot of times how our worry is in our everyday lives. It weighs us down. Some of you are worried right now about how long I'm going to hold this thing and whether I'm going to drop it or not, right? We are people who worry. We worry. And and so it all begs the question, if it doesn't do anything helpful for us or it's not effective in our life, why do we even do it? One of the reasons why we do it is because it gives us a sense of control and certainty in a complex and an uncertain world. You see, what we do is we worry, and then when something happens that we were worried about, we say, you know what, I didn't worry enough. If I would have worried more, then that wouldn't have happened. Or we worry about something, and then it doesn't happen, and we say, you know what, it's a good thing you worried, because that worry prevented that bad thing from happening. And it's a vicious cycle. And so we worry about our kids. And then when they're okay, we say, okay, I'm glad I worried, because now they're okay. And we worry about our, our, our kids or our jobs. And then when we're worried about our jobs and then things go south there, then we, we say, you know what, I should have been more worried. And then that wouldn't have happened. And it's this cycle that we get caught in over and over again. And Jesus wants to break the cycle. He wants to set us free from worry. And so he offers us a couple of illustrations. One of them, he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow seeds. They don't store away stuff in barns and storage units. They don't do any of that. They don't worry about tomorrow. They do what they're created to do. They make nests. They work hard. They live each day as it comes. And Jesus says, look, and your heavenly Father provides for them. And then he says, look, look at the flowers of the field. 
They don't toil. They don't fret. They don't waste all this energy worrying. They don't, they don't spin around. They don't do all of this stuff. They do what they're created to do. They receive sustenance from the earth. They receive sunlight and they grow. And God makes them into something beautiful because God cares about the flowers. And I can just hear Jesus in this moment with this crowd surrounding him whispering to the people. Don't you see if God cares that much about those things, how much more he cares about you? The flowers, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. The birds of the air, you know what? They, they just fly away. You are the pinnacle of creation. He says, if that's how much God loves these things, these small things, how much more does he love you? You whom he gave a soul to. You whom he gave a body to. You whom he gave all these abilities. You whom he loves so much that he sent me into this world to save you and to rescue you. Will you trust him? I can just see Jesus saying all of those things. I can see him saying all those things to people like you and me who are just carrying around all of this worry. And see, the thing is, when we're carrying all of this around, our focus and our attention goes to all of this stuff. And our hands and our hearts are full of this stuff, and so our hands and our hearts can't focus on the one true king, and we can't run after his kingdom and live as his people. But that's the antidote, right? That's what he says in here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. But when our focus is on here, we can't focus on our king, the one who created the world, the one who redeemed the world, the one who is sustaining the world. And so what we have to do is we have to have an exchange. We have to give God all of this stuff we're carrying in our hands, and we have to hand it over to him. And once we hand it over to him... then our hands are free to do the work of the kingdom. Then our hearts and our gaze and our focus are all free to move our attention to Him. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, the way we hand over all of these things into the hands of God is by giving to him, them to Him in prayer. And so we read this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, say it with me, pray about everything. In 1 Peter, we read this, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. God invites us to express ourselves to Him. To hand over all of our worries to Him because He is big enough to handle it. And this doesn't have to be complicated. No matter where you are in your faith journey, you can do this today because these are just simple prayers that God wants from us as we try to hand these things over into his hands. And so it looks like just praying in the morning or or maybe after that meeting you have or maybe at the end of the day, it's just praying to God, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. God, I don't have the resources to make this happen. I need you. 
God, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the answers. I need you. God, I'm carrying all of this stuff by myself. I wasn't created to do that. You tell me in your word, I need you. Here, receive it. I trust you. God calls us to hand all of those things over to him because he wants to bear those things for us because he's big enough to handle all of it. And when we hand over these things, it's then we can seek our king. And it's then we can live as people in his kingdom under his rule and his reign together. It's then we can do his work in the world. And the amazing thing is, is when we do that, he says, all of these things shall be given to us. And here he's not talking about all of the things we want. He's not saying that we're going to have a life free from pain, free from suffering. We're not going to have an easy life. But he's saying as we seek first his kingdom, as we make him our king and try to live as his people, then he will give us everything we need. He will give us a life that's more than worry, that's more than our work, that's more than our clothes, that's more than our food, that's more than all of this stuff. He will give us life, true life, life abundant, the life that Jesus came to give us, a life of freedom. And if you think about Jesus, he had every reason to be worried. The guy who's, who's teaching this stuff and telling us not to be worried, he had every reason to be worried. Think about him. He was born into poverty. When he was just a child, he had to flee violence in his own home country and go to a foreign land he didn't know. When he began his ministry, he didn't have a place to regularly lay his head. He didn't have a recurring source of income. When he was preaching and teaching, people made fun of him and people rejected him. He had a group of 12 friends, which was a blessing, and then one of them that was closest to him betrayed him. People were constantly trying to trick him and arrest him. And ultimately, he was sentenced to death, crucifixion, even though he was innocent. Jesus had every reason to be worried in this world. And yet he never worried. He never did because daily, moment by moment, he went to his father. And he gave to his father all of his cares, all of his concerns, all of those things that were on his heart that were burdening him. He gave them all over and he handed them into the hands of his father so that the worry wouldn't grow inside of him. And we see that ultimately he did die. But history tells us, the Bible tells us, that on the third day, guess what? He rose again. He rose again. And so what we see is that the world threw everything they could at Jesus. The world gave him the worst that it could. Poured all of the sin, all of the death, all of the shame, all of the fear, all of the worst in our world was poured upon Jesus. And guess what? He came through it on the other side victorious. And now his full trust in his heavenly father has been vindicated as he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, reigning as king of the world right now. And for those of us who are in Christ, 
That's how Paul puts it. For those of us who are in Christ, who have received Jesus into our hearts, received the gift of salvation and new life, those of us who God is renewing from the inside out, we too can live as people without worry. Because as we share in Christ's life, his death and his resurrection, Christ, who's able to do all things, his power and his strength is at work within us. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And so we can hand over all of our worries, confident that our Heavenly Father wants to take them. He wants to bear them so that we don't have to. It's a gift He wants to give us, but what we have to do is to hand it all over. And so this morning as we close, that's my simple invitation to you, is I want to invite you to hand it all over to God. Hand over the worry to him. Maybe you want to come forward and pray up here and leave it here. Maybe you just want to sit in your seat with your, with your hands open and just tell God, express yourself to him, all the worries that are on your heart, all of the things that you've been bearing in this world on your own. Hand it over to him. Maybe you want to stand and sing and praise and worship and have your palms open and have your hands free before God. Hand it over to him because he is big enough to handle it all. He wants to receive it so that your hands and your heart can be free to do his work in this world and to focus on him, our true king.